Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Tonight, I'm joined by 3MA founder, Troy Goodfellow. Hello. So tonight, we're taking a little break to do something Troy and I have wanted to do for a while, uh, and which is something we've been discussing since, gosh, I <laughs> think the last couple of years, we've talked about uh, rainy day ideas we'd like to pursue. Uh, tonight, we're going to look at two historical films uh, to see the places where their themes overlap, where attitudes towards historical topics seem to be changing, and the ways they get, uh, the way that these films get history right or Probably more often, based on how Troy and I's conversations tend to go, uh, how movies can get history badly wrong. Tonight we have 1964 Zulu, uh, directed by Cy Enfield, which covers the against-all-odds victory of the British Army at Rourke's Drift, and Ridley Scott's 2002 war movie Black Hawk Down, which is based on the Mark Bowden history of the same name about the Battle of Mogadishu, uh, also known as the Day of the Rangers, uh, between U.S. Special Forces and the militia of Somalia's Muhammad Farah Idid. Uh, Troy, there's a lot to both of these movies. I think they're they're trying to sell very similar sorts of triumphalist narratives, though I think only one of them is remotely successful. Uh, <laughs> both have a complicated political context that changes how they relate to imperialism, and both are movies about predominantly white Anglo armies battling against, uh, and this is sort of the way things are portrayed in these movies, hordes of African men. Uh, and both these movies are then trying to be at pains to avoid the racism that's almost inherent in a premise like that. Uh, and it bears mentioning that uh, obviously you and I are both uh, two white North American men. Uh, and we're going to try to be mindful of that fact as as we discuss these these two movies. Uh, at the same time, I wasn't going to go around to a lot of our friends and be like, yo, you should definitely watch Zulu and Black Hawk Down. You'll enjoy it. You'll have a good time. Uh, anyway, Troy, Troy, what do you what do you make uh, of these two films? Uh, are these good movies? Well, first we should remind people there are going to be a lot of spoilers here. Uh, this is a movie criticism type thing, so if you haven't seen either Black Hawk Down or Zulu, the guy hadn't seen Black Hawk Down until he decided to do this. Uh, please go and see them if you care about spoilers. Um, these are both movies uh, that fit into a broad category of. If, if we're talking by genre, they're historical dramas, but also they're in many ways last stand of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the great tradition of Alamo, Fort Apache, uh, anything about Custer, the idea that there is a group of soldiers or warriors in an isolated outpost and no one's coming to help them and they have to fend for themselves. Uh, the, the difference historically and in the movies is that in Black Hawk Down, a huge part of it is about how do we rescue these guys, uh, which isn't something you see in a lot of Last Stand movies. Usually the cavalry just shows up. Uh, here there, you get the planning of the rescue. And these are movies that are about empire and about empire at different points. Here we have uh, Battle of Mogadishu. Uh, I mean, how old were you when the Somali operation was going on? I was not quite 10 years old. I was about 20. Uh, in my late teens, uh, when the I was in my I was nineteen when the Cold War ended uh, in nineteen ninety one. Uh, so we have um, the the American we call it political science the the American the unipolar uni, world. Yeah, the, the unipolar moment is generally called these this brief decade where uh, the United States is pretty much setting the agenda and is seen as the indispensable sole uh, arbiter of world power, much like uh, Great Britain was uh, in the late 19th century. Britain uh, had the men, they had the gun, they had the men, they had the money too, and they could pretty much 
set up where they wanted to build the empire. And uh, Zulu was about uh, the adventure in uh, Southern Africa. We should probably take these movies one at a time, I think, and then try to connect yeah. them a bit. Um, I mean, Zulu's a movie that I think everybody who follows, who watches historical war movies has seen. Uh, it's got an outstanding cast. It has Michael Caine. At his least, Michael Caine. Yep. He, 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 he isn't playing the lovable rogue that he does in so many of his movies. This, he's playing a, a pedigreed British officer um, who has had his command kind of usurped from him by a cruder, equally ranked, but someone who has seniority by two months, a uh, military engineer. Um, it is a movie that is a, about the, uh, a, the Battle of Asad Luana had just happened, the famous battle where the Zulus actually annihilated an entire British column. And we have this whole last stand situation where we have the ex first for the first 40 minutes, it is the expectation of will the Zulus come and where will they come from with a lot of disbelief uh, first that Sanawana even happened or that they're even a real threat, that something might have gone wrong uh, for it to be possible. And they might not show up at all. Uh, then they show up and it becomes a, a very dramatic uh, back-and-forth encounter where you have attacks and then a break and then attacks and then a break and there's this tensions built up to the final push uh, by the Zulus. To contrast that with Black Hawk Down, it's constant gunfire. Yep. So I think it's something to say about you know, both the war and the director in charge, that there really isn't any peace. Uh, there isn't any pause in the combat. Um, so it's it's a very confusing, from a film perspective, it's a confusing movie to watch. Yeah, it's... I, I think in a lot of ways, uh, Black Hawk Down is reacting to the existence of Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. And it, there's, there's a bit of a, hey, look at this aspect to Black Hawk Down and its portrayal of violence. I think it's also doing some justice to its topic, which is that that entire battle is... You know, always on the verge of being a debacle. Uh, it really does kind of like once it begins happening, uh, almost did happen in the sequence of overlapping events uh, without a lot of moments to like pause and regroup. Nevertheless, you know, as a film, what that translates to is a movie that is, you know, at times borders on incoherent. Uh, just nonstop uh, gunfire, just hammering of, of machine guns. Um, whereas I think... Zulu fits very comfortably into that Last Stand movie mold, down to and including, like, it has these, you know, you said the first 40 minutes is that sort of dawning realization of, we, uh, holy hell, we are alone out here. Like, we are completely isolated. There's no help coming. Things have gone badly wrong. And then you have sort of that uh, chess match as the group of British soldiers begin trying to prepare their defense and figure out where their weak points, how are they going to hold out against these, these overwhelming odds. What the movie lacks in a lot of ways is um, any sort of sense of there being, and I think both movies lack this, any sort of sense of there being an opposing side with like awareness or motivations. The other side is just always... In the distance, something to be shot at, something to be feared, something to be observed from a distance. But there's no point of view uh, with the, you know, in Zulu, I think, has a bit of a sort of con sort of a, a um, paternalistic or, or, or condescending regard 
uh, for, for the Zulu army, but not enough to sort of make them characters in the story. Fundamentally, this is a story about this plucky group of Britons uh, holding out in in this outpost, uh, I think which uh, it, that I think it still does a little bit better with that material than Black Hawk Down does, uh, which I, I think ends up sort of trading on some you know stereo like visual stereotypes, um, and I think it ends up being a, a deeply uh, problematic movie in the in the way it depicts uh, you know people living and fighting in Mogadishu. Uh, but I think Zulu ends up being kind of a, a satisfying movie to watch just from the standpoint of this, this, this rhythm of the slow dawning realization of how the depths of the crisis these characters find themselves in, meeting all the personalities. The, char- the soldiers aren't just guys in uniforms with guns. They, they, do, they, are, they are characters uh, who have dramatic arcs in this movie. And then it does a very good job of setting up this idea of like, what does this outpost look like? What are they defending? What you're about to see a lot of like violent action happening, but what's all going to, what is it all going to signify in sort of a tactical sense, which I think is really satisfying. If you're kind of a war gamer or history buff, uh, just having a sense for like how all these pieces are going to fit together. Well, I mean, unlike the streets of Mogadishu, uh, it's a much simpler, uh, terrain to understand, but it also does this great director's trick, uh, that I've seen in a couple of movies uh, that I really, really like, is, uh, you know, early on when they're planning the battle, uh, Chard, the commander-in-chief, he draws, he draws the work, he draws yep. the mission and the outline in the dirt. So he's not only, as he, he plans it out, he could have a map for this, but he chooses to draw it in the dirt, and that's, you know, for the audience. It's for us to see, as he draws it out, where everything is. So where the hospital is. Uh, where uh, the walls will be, where the first line and second line of defense will be. And that is done for our benefit. And it's a really easy shorthand way of uh, giving us familiarity with the geography, um, understanding when an attack comes, where it's coming from, uh, and only where the threat is going to be. When we see uh, the Zulu warriors climb on top of the hospital, we understand where they are compared to where the Zulu started. That this really is an envelopment, uh, a classic Zulu envelopment. But instead of enveloping an army, they're enveloping a, st- a stationary location. Um, so we understand all of that. Um, and it leads to you know, some very dramatic moments, especially if you can keep the geography in your head. Uh, uh, Black Hawk Down, you, you, it's, it's, a, it's a straight fight. Um, you have you know the you have the military maps when they try to plan with the rescue, but it's in, there's not really an attempt to get you to understand much about the battle per se because the battle is people are being shot at and people are shooting back, and the real tactical calculation is how do we get them out safely or how do we rescue them? This isn't a battle of positions, it's not a battle of taking things. It's people are everybody is undercover. And everybody is trying to shoot from their cover at something else. It is a group of soldiers who are pinned down. It is a very close combat situation, uh, which I'm very, very familiar. And it's very terrifying. And that confusion, I think, helps uh, translate to the difficulties of the f- for urban warfare, the lack of preparation for this type of urban warfare, because the Americans were used to just riding through Mogadishu pretty much unharmed. They weren't being ambushed in the streets, but then, you know, one Blackhawk goes down and every effort to 
rescue though that group of people leads to one messy tactical situation after another. Yeah, I think the the other thing that I think both these movies uh, are, are dealing with, and I'm, I'm curious what you make of this. So what I find really interesting is that Black Hawk Down is at pains from the start to express the virtue of the American mission predominantly uh, that you have, a, you have a almost certainly fictionalized scene between the American general overseeing the effort and a high value uh, target that they recently acquired. Uh, and he's basically, you know, calling the guy out. This isn't a war. Uh, this is a genocide and the Americans are here to put a stop to it and uh, allow humanitarian aid to flow and put a stop to all those warlords uh, who are causing all these problems in Somalia. And so this entire movie, it sort of adopts, this framing of the American presence here is fundamentally virtuous. Uh, it is fundamentally uh, positive. As it is not a mission of avarice. Uh, it is not an imperial mission. Uh, it is a humanitarian one. And I think it's, that, is, that is a very... Uh, I mean, well, one, I think that's a point of view that I think uh, Americans have adopted for, toward a lot of interventions uh, abroad. And it's a very self-serving one. Uh, in places, but I think it's also a very, uh, you know, early 2000s, uh, just after 9 11 uh, view that the, the movie's trying to get across, which is that these sorts of, uh, you know, brush fire wars uh, are going, which are going to become sort of the new norm, uh, you know, they may look like imperial conflict, but they are not. This is something fundamentally different. Don't worry about it. And I think this movie sort of trying to this, like Black Hawk Down is sort of trying to speak to expectations uh, that we're going that are going to be tested in Afghanistan and then, uh, you know, later in, in, in Iraq. And I think that's very much sort of on the minds of, of the Black Hawk Down. Uh, certainly that was on the minds of the audience that, that was receiving it. Um, I'm well, to an extent, because you do have you know, at the very beginning, you have all of the grunts. Uh, talking about the mission, what they're there for. And there are always a couple who say, I don't know why we're here. And you, of course, you have the, 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 the true believer who's confident and he believes in the mission, the young, naive kid. And you have a couple of you know, more senior soldiers who are like, I don't know why we're here. I don't think we should be here. Now that, so that, the other side is given a voice. Mm -hmm. Now, whether, whether it's a predominant voice, I'm not sure what, you know, I mean, you have the same thing in Zulu, um, but I'm not sure if, the, if, the, if what I'm not sure if the director Scott is taking any of those positions. I'm not sure he's intellectually capable of that. Um, but it's so there is. It, I think it's a little more ambiguous than you give it credit for. I think that you know, especially since the filmmaking does have this just a constant worry about getting these guys out, and there's never the sense that you know conveyed that they're dying for something valuable. And so many, in so many war movies, you know, when there is a, some people dying, even these, in these last damn movies, there's a, sense, there's a sense communicated through the direction and the script that it's, at least it didn't die for nothing. And I don't think that is actually communicated uh, in Black Hawk Down. No, uh, especially, I think, to jump ahead really quick, the movie ends on a very ambiguous note, uh, which yeah. is basically... 
a Delta Force soldier is sort of strapping his gear back on, and he's like, "This is what it's all about just just going out there and doing the job." That the prowess is the prowess and the mission and the camaraderie are kind of their own reward. Uh, so I, I I agree. Like I think the the movie probably is more complicated uh, than that, and it's worth noting that it was received in this like context, but the movie itself was shot and I think pretty much wrapped up before uh, the September 11th attacks. Yeah. And so it's a strange thing because, like, you know, I remember seeing this and in a weird way, Black Hawk Down becomes a 9-11 movie in a lot of ways, just, just by virtue of timing and by virtue of the way its reality would rapidly be reflected uh, in sort of real world events, uh, real world operations that the, the military was, was uh you know, undertaking, but the movie was never conceptualized that way, though. I think it was conceptualized as part of this, um, you know, what, what you're talking about, Troy, this, this unipolar moment, kind of a judgment on it, right? What, what, sh- what ought American power be used for? Uh, what, what are the pitfalls of its use? And I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the movie intellectually comes down, but I think in sort of that, classic there's no such thing as an anti-war film uh definition Mm -hmm. i think the movie ends up being more of a celebration of sort of military interventionism and imperialism than maybe it intends like it says a great many things uh but i think it is also so in love with the prowess and spectacle of the american like late 20th century war machine uh going to work that i think it ends up being a bit less complicated than maybe it intends. Uh, but I'm, but com- contrast this with, with Zulu, which I was surprised at the degree to which it almost, from the beginning to the end, it almost is portrayed as a sporting match. Like, the stakes are very serious, but by the end, it literally does almost an end in a, like, post-game, uh, you know, handshake or, or sort of, you know, uh, respectful, uh, respectful greeting from the, from the two combatants. Uh, but this is, Zulu is a movie that seems, maybe there's, there's context I'm missing, but it seems profoundly avoidant or disinterested in the policies and worldview and empire that would have led those soldiers to that situation. Yeah. I mean, you do have, of course, I mean, you have hook, uh, voicing, you know, what has a Zulu ever done to me? Uh, he's, but he's kind of the voice, the only voice of, uh, any of the respectful, we the, uh, the, the Boer scout, very respectful of the Zulus where the British are kind of like poo-pooing their military prowess. But it's yeah, you know, you have the, them singing football songs at the end, back and forth to each other, effectively. And something that didn't happen. You have you know the Zulus having their chant, and then you have the British sing back uh, "Men of Harlech," an old Welsh song, uh, which is you know foreshadowed of all those talking about the choir, uh, the military choir they have. And it's it, the the reasons the British are there, the reasons this group of people are there, is is never addressed whatsoever. It's just it's part of the British Empire. The understanding is this is what the British Empire is. It's what the British Empire does. Uh, Bromhead, uh, Michael Caine's character, goes through you know, what his great grandfather did, and what his grandfather did, what his father did. How he's he has a legacy of. Uh, a military legacy that he's carrying on that he doesn't feel 
up to snuff for, but it's understanding that this is what British gentlemen do. British gentlemen go to war. They go to war in distant places. Um, but beyond that, there's no, uh, there's no debate, there's no discussion, no, nor should we necessarily expect that in every war movie. Many war movies don't have this sort of question. I mean, why should there be? Um, but this is, it can take a more distant remove because it was made almost 100 years yeah. after uh, the Battle of Rourke's Shift, as opposed to being made about a decade after, less than a decade after. So it doesn't have any obligation to uh, speak for or towards uh, British imperialism. Though another one of Michael Caine's uh, movies, The Man Who Would Be King, is very clearly making a statement uh, about British imperialism in that period. And it is around this, it, it is filmed around this uh, same, same time frame, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it might be a few years later, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's late 60s, early 70s. And it is, um, so we have these soldiers who are just doing their thing. And their thing is killing natives wherever they find them. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, this mutual respect type thing, which probably wasn't there. That's clearly manufactured. There wasn't, you might have a few people here and there uh, in the British forces, uh, but, you know, Generally, if you read about British adventures against the Zulus and even the Boers later, it's pretty much just disdain, uh, disdain and hatred. Um, and so you don't have this, oh, this one body of men cheering on another. Wow, you really, you really killed a bunch of us. Nice going. Uh, I think, yeah, you're right. It does have this sense of a sporting event being concluded at the very end, which is... <clears throat> You know, kind of a way the British gentlemen might have thought about war in general uh, in an earlier period, like the 18th century, but it certainly isn't the late 19th century uh, conception. But it is an interesting, it is probably the, the only comment that Zulu has on war itself, besides that, you know, war kind of sucks, that, that it, it is miserable, people will die horrible bloody deaths, but, you know... You're with your comrades. But that's the message of every war movie, right? Every war movie is about, but at least you're with your friends. Right. There's, there's very few war movies that I, I, I think sort of just completely make the experience uh, squalid and horrible, right down to uh, sort of bonds or lack thereof uh, between soldiers. But most war movies definitely embrace that. You're fighting for the guy next to you. I, I think... To me, like Zulu is just such such an odd movie in terms of it is made in the context of this end of empire, right? And it is this it it feels well, like peak, such peak, well, well peak of empire. I mean, this isn't the British Empire is still us a good thirty years. Well, I mean, World War One is the, as the beginning of the end. You have a good thirty years left. Oh no, I'm talking about the the production of the film though. Oh, well, production of the film. Okay. okay yeah. Yes, so yes. like yeah. Okay. So we're talking like mid '60s, looking back yeah. on the 19th century, and it's this weird like attempt to cel celebrate the height of an empire that has since been dismantled mm -hmm. and that also lost its moral underpinnings uh such such that they existed and yeah. so it's this it's it ends up being this movie that ends up i think one of the reasons it adopts the sort of sporting match uh veneer is that what it's basically trying to celebrate is an event whose context the movie can't bring itself to to celebrate anymore. So it it tries to excerpt this event 
and be like, well, you know, whatever whatever can be said about the Empire, this is a pretty great story. And indeed, this movie's really watchable. It's it's a hell of a story. Uh, but at the same time, like it's also sort of playing a narrative trick there where it sort of has the two sides part as friends and is sort of going out of its way to say, and of course, this was all done with the greatest respect. Nothing, nothing but big props uh, for, for, for the Zulu. Uh, and I think it, it's probably the best that could be done with, with telling the story Zulu wants to tell. Um, but it is striking to me just, just the degree to which uh, this is a movie made in the shadow of the end of the British Empire that is trying to figure out how to regard all the great stories and adventures and bygone glories of that empire. Well, we get two other imperial movies in the 60s from British cinema. We get Khartoum, uh, starring Charlton Heston and Oh, I've never Olivier. seen that. Heston it's and Olivier? That sounds could, could be terrible. Yes. Great. And uh, Ralph Richardson. It's you know one of these. I mean, and uh, Lawrence Olivier in 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 in, in, in brownface, uh, playing the Mahdi. Okay. And Heston playing uh, uh, Gordon of Khartoum. I'm less into it now. It's yeah. I, I I'm not going to say it's not worth seeing. Uh, there's certainly. Um, I don't think it quite gets the madness of Gordon, uh, but does get kind of his stubbornness. I think in the right way. Um, I don't get the I mean, I don't know how you would get the Mahdi right at all. I think it's be kind of an impossible feat. And then we have, uh, in 1968, we, of course, have Charge of the Light Brigade, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think, in many ways, the 1960s movie about the stupidity of uh, British, em- British Empire building. It's Trevor Howard. It's John Gielgud. Um, it's got a really, really good cast uh, all the way through. Uh, and it's very much about this is a war we should not have been fighting. People tend to do stupid things because of their pride and they're not prepared. And then you end up um, losing a whole bunch of men in an ill-advised charge. Um, and I think it is, but you know, this it it, it is late sixties. We're having uh, the counterculture starting to absorb the lessons of you know the end of empire. That's that military adventurism. Um, and sticking your nose into places where it doesn't belong is just going to embarrass you. The fact that the British end up winning the Crimean War is kind of irrelevant and washed over, but it does have this kind of uh, communication breakdown type thing that leads to uh, a massacre. Um, and I think it is like the it is the 1960s peak movie that is anti-empire um, that takes one small battle incident and it's anti-empire like Rourke's Drift. I mean, it's a small incident, and I don't think that. Zulu is a pro-empire film, but I don't think it's an anti-empire film. I think it is more, remember when we had an empire? Like, hey, remember the 1880s? Wasn't that cool? Right. Uh, I think it is to say where all these great stories from that period, and it's not like the 19th century empire is full of great movies. There aren't a whole lot of movies about the British empire in that Period. It's, it's it's amazing how few films there are, considering the extent of the British Empire, considering how amazed how many parts of the world it touches, how many uh, people were involved in it, how few f- military history films there are about 
the 19th century campaigns. Uh, we do get, in, in the 70s, we get the prequel to Zulu. We get Zulu Dawn, which is a prequel uh, to Zulu. It's about Isandawana. And it is, you know, once again, very much taking on the lessons of the 70s. And, you know, this is that um, imperial wars are a bad idea. Uh, but you're right. This is movie made right at the beginning, right at the end of the British Empire has really kind of just, well, there was an empire and that doesn't have anything really strong position to say on it. Now, I think similarly, I'm not sure Black Hawk Down has any, if it has anything to say, I missed it, but it is just such a confusing movie. Yeah, I, so for me, I I think I've always read it as being a bit more, okay, what's the, I think Black Hawk Down ends up maybe saying more than it intends by virtue of sort of the dehumanizing gaze it casts toward uh, the Somali troops that the the soldiers are are fighting, right? Like, it's all, like, they, they're consistently presented as, again, just like a mass of humanity that are fighting almost devoid of tactics or self-preservation. Like, this is a movie that is literally just about watching badass, well-disciplined uh, American troops just mow down, like, absolute, uh, you know, waves of militia soldiers who just come on seemingly without any sort of tactical sense or or or, or regard for uh, you know self preservation and it's, and it ends up amplifying this idea of like we are fighting the other here uh, this yeah. is a battle for survival against uh, you know something that would have very comfortably fit sort of that nineteenth century model of well we're here you know you're you're out here and you're fighting uh, you know savage heathens right that that i think is the that is the portrayal that black hawk down ends up leaving you with particularly when you think about like the way the battle of mogadishu uh is portrayed here it's as sort of a tragic but redemptive story about the u.s military and there's no thought given at all to the fact that like this was a catastrophic day in somali history Right, that the amount, the the numbers of like killed and wounded, uh, you know, combatant and non-combatant alike were pretty severe, and that's not really given any weight here. Um, and I understand why the movie ends up making that choice. I think part like the same thing is uh, the same thing is at work in Bowden's book, which is fundamentally trying to ask. Bowden's book is fundamentally trying to ask how did the British, how did, how did the U.S. military screw this up so badly? Black Hawk Down is kind of a um, AAR on a military operation gone wrong, and its interest is why did a force with all the training, technology, uh, tactics in the world at their disposal, why did they end up basically in a fight for their lives? Uh, against these militia forces. But when that is brought to the screen, what in text was kind of a reflective, uh, you know, post-mortem on an operation gone wrong turns into a film that is fundamentally about an outnumbered group of U.S. soldiers uh, just killing tons of anonymous, uh, you know, African men. And 
I think the like the movie may not have a political message it is trying to impart. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have it doesn't have a thesis about uh the <laughs> the benevolent uh you know hegemony of the United States. But I think in its portrayal it ends up being kind of a shockingly to to me at least kind of a shockingly uh old-fashioned imperialist lens that it cast toward the world that was that was my reaction watching it now uh i don't know it's a very cowboys and indians movie right i don't think zulu ever quite descends to um i mean black hawk down is i mean in many ways it's for a modern action war movie it's got some great little uh director's tricks here and there but it's pretty much just a cowboy and indians movie yeah Or, or, or am i being too dismissive of it no, I no, I think you're you're exactly right. And and I think, you know, the the funny thing is um you know, even some uh, for instance, I think about you you referenced Fort Apache here. And Fort Apache is an interesting movie. I think about it a lot because I I fundamentally can can never quite understand how John Ford who directed uh, Fort Apache and The Searchers could be so like crassly racist in The Searchers. But then in Fort Apache, uh, that is fundamentally a movie that sort of gives the uh, you know native perspective on a lot of the Plains Wars that happened in the 19th century. Uh, that is a movie that fundamentally provides motivation and meaning and context for the actions of the enemy. And Fort Apache ends up basically saying, like, look, um, this is predominantly something that is set in motion by an abusive American policy and shitty, inept uh, frontier officials. And so I, it's, it's, it's weird to me because like, I think, you know, within that genre, there's, there's, there's Westerns that treat seriously with the subject of westward expansion and the uh, costs therein. And then there are movies where, as you say, like literally, uh, you know, it's just, Cowboys in white hats trying to outwit and outfight uh, waves of uh, you know natives, and I think Black Hawk Down for all you know the fact this is this is a movie that is being made early in the 21st century uh, has a lot more resources. This is not a B movie by any stretch. Ends up no, adopting no, no. the perspective of like 50s B westerns. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, I, I've I've tried to enjoy it and I tried to appreciate it, but it was the kind of film that I just could not get into. The direction kept throwing me off, and I could not understand. I mean, even if I disagree with what a director's trying, I mean, a director can be trying to say something and can fail. Like you mentioned, The Searchers. I think The Searchers is a, actually a very complicated movie if you deal with the text. Um, it can be either seen as super racist or as the characters are racist, but we're not supposed to agree with them. And I think both of those positions I've seen argued very, very well. This is a film, like you say, kind of just defaults to the imagery. And the imagery and the scripting uh, defaults to why are all of our American boys dying? Which is fine. That's a good question to ask. But it never even really makes an effort to answer it, if it's even asking that at all. It's probably asking us to ask that question. But there's no sense of who the enemies are beyond 
big bad guy warlords who steal all the food, and now they're trying to kill the Americans who are trying to stop them from stealing all the food. Um, and if you're making a movie about the distant past, I think you can get away with maybe not necessarily dealing with those questions. Like uh, in Zulu, I don't think we need to have a long... I don't think we need to have Chard and Satchawayo sit down and talk about... We're not so different, the you expansion. and I. We're not, we're, not, we're not so different, you and I. We both want more room for cows. Um, I don't think we need to have that sort of thing in a movie about the British Empire, or even necessarily about uh, the American adventure in Somalia. Uh, but if you're making a movie in kind of the here and now about a moment, I think you are obligated to have more than... Here's a bunch of soldiers being shot. Now, I've never seen American Sniper, so I don't know where that fits. I didn't see the Benghazi movie with, uh, what's his name from the office. So I don't know where that fits, uh, in this. I have the sense that both of those try to take some sort of perspective on current American adventures, but I think it's like Three Kings, which was about the Iraq war, but came out, uh, in the late nineties, I think. Yep. Um, it had an opinion, on the Gulf War, uh, which was still very fresh uh, in people's arms, the first Gulf War. It, was, it had, it had uh, ideas. Um, it had uh, perspective. Um, so I think it is, and it's a movie that I re- am very, very fond of. Yep. Oh, and I think it's, one of the major characters is an Iraqi man. Yeah, and it's in many ways a confusing movie because it does, you know, try to have... It, it has the characters doing one thing, but you can understand why their superiors think they're being kind of screwy, et cetera, et cetera. But it's only with a perspective of an argument. Uh, most movies don't. Most historical drama movies don't. And the ones that do have like really hidden things, like uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the 50s Ten Commandments, that is an anti-communist movie. Uh, if you don't understand it's an anti-communist movie, you, understand, you won't understand why it's so freaking hilarious. Um uh, but I, I do think that it, I, I like Zulu quite a bit more, yeah. even though it tries to avoid these questions or not ask them, even if it does reduce war to sporting events, even if, you know, all the sympathetic thoughts about the Zulus are put in the voice of Boers, who are also, you know, kind of super racist uh, at the time. So it's kind of weird they would put that uh, in the, mouth, the respect in the mouth of a Boer uh, scout. Or uh, the occasional soldier who wondered why he was there. But there is, and the only guy with a line, only Zulu with a line, after Satchuayo at the the beginning, you have the general waving his uh, assay guy at the top of the mountains, giving directions to his troops. I guess that's dialogue. I don't think the movie necessarily has to have the Zulu perspective to be a a good and satisfying movie. I think Zulu is a good and satisfying movie because it does because it does that whole band of brothers thing so much better than uh, Black Hawk Down does. Well, something I think that is interesting interesting to me about Black Hawk Down uh, versus the versus like Zulu. So Black Hawk Down, like I said, is based on this book by Mark Bowden. Which is again trying to diagnose how does this all go so wrong? And Black Hawk Down, the book, is deeply critical 
of the way things went down that day. Now, the movie gets at some of this. Why did things go so wrong? Like, you have that just gruesome sequence of the rescue convoy trying to navigate the streets of Mogadishu, but there's a radio delay on the uh, aerial support that's trying to give them directions through the streets. And so they keep missing their turns, and they just end up going in circles uh, and going through basically the same ambushes again and again. Uh, while taking ever more gruesome losses. Uh, so that, is, that is a harrowing scene. It's well realized. But in the book, one of the other things that that, that, book's, that book is arguing is that fundamentally a lot of the U.S. forces did not perform particularly well that day. Uh, the Delta Force... Um, the, the Delta Force perspectives in that book are pretty scathing about the performance of the U.S. Rangers, for instance. Uh, they found they found the Rangers to like act as if they were an elite combat-ready uh, special operations force, and in terms of their performance, they were absolute novices that day, uh, and were making a lot of critical <clears throat> mistakes that caused greater casualties and led American forces to take greater risks. That is at least the position of the book, and it's the position that a lot of the uh, characters uh, from, from, from Delta end up giving over the course of that book. The movie elides all that. The movie basically says all these troops are in it together. They're all basically awesome, right? Like, every, like the Rangers, Delta, just everyone goes in, kicks ass. Um, but it was, you know... It, it was a risky mission. Uh, there were some bad things happening at conceptual level. But, like, once, you know, everything began to get pretty dire, uh, the U.S. troops performed and, and they did well. And so I think Black Hawk Down ends up kind of scrubbing and uh, whitewashing a lot of the record of that battle in itself as to, as to how things went. How did the different forces end up performing? Uh, I think Black Hawk Down the book ends up reading a lot more like generation kill uh, in terms of its sort of scathing portrayal of like uh, sort of an uh, overconfident American military that doesn't really know how to root out or eliminate screw ups and, and uh, failures. Uh, so the, the, the movie ends up kind of sanitizing uh, this view of the, the American troops, There's, including down to like a really gruesome detail. One of the hero characters of the film uh, Grimesy uh, is based on uh, this guy Stebbins uh, from the book who won a, a medal for valorous conduct. But like he was put in jail. He was in jail by the time the movie was released for sexual assault. Um, and they renamed him because it was just it was it was a, it was not an association they wanted to make. But again, like there is this conscious effort in Black Hawk Down to sort of scrub away the complicated realities of the people who fought that day and how the u.s military actually performed what's interesting to me is zulu i think wants things to look a little more rough and tumble wants things to look a little more grim and gritty and that's the funny thing like i was i was reading that um what, what's the guy's name the uh you know the the guy who's on report for being drunk and disorderly. Hook. Oh, Henry, Private Henry Hook. Yeah, in the movie, I was I was I was sort of shocked to read to read this when I was reading up reading reading up on the on the, on the background of this movie. But in the in the movie, Hook is just like your standard like dirty dozen stereotype, right? Just pretty much going into battle hungover, insubordinate, 
and just turns into an absolute badass uh, in this movie. He becomes one of the movie's, of the mo- movie's major heroes. Uh, and according to the guy's family, by all accounts, he was kind of your, he was actually your stereotypical Victorian soldier, right? A very upright and proper, uh, conscientious uh, figure. Yeah, teetotaler, in fact. Right, and so it is so funny to me that, like, Zulu, I think, wants to portray a more dysfunctional version of the uh, military. That it's you know you know what I mean. It, it, it seems to want kind of a, a ruggedness and a, a moral ambiguity to its forces. And I'm curious what you make of that. Yeah, I mean, it's there are lots of tiny little historical. I'm not big on historical errors in general. I think it's, I mean, like the, the, the sergeant, Sergeant Sergeant Bourne, the guy with the big fancy mustache. I mean, the, the character in the real Frank Bourne was like 24. He wasn't some 40-year-old yeah. sergeant. He was a 24-year-old kid uh, who distinguished himself at the battle. And, you know, we have the uh, stereotypical quarrel over command, which I think is just a war movie uh Conceit. I mean, you see that in so many war movies where people are isolated and there's issues over who's going to give the orders or not. I mean, Chard and Bromhead, there's no reason to think they did not get along reasonably well, though both uh, were, in fact, um, after the battle, kind of diminished by the British. They won their VCs, the Victoria Crosses, but a lot of people thought, well, they didn't really deserve them. They were just, you know, doing their duty, fighting off a bunch of savages. This is not VC worthy material. These guys are kind of nobodies. Uh, which I think is. So they weren't necessarily seen as these great heroes once they got their VCs. And a lot of the uh, soldiers who are heroes of Rourke's Drift ended up drifting into uh, drunkenness and poverty and all of these horrible things. But yeah, there's this effort to make, to have this this malcontent, this this malingerer. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Dirty Dozen, MASH type figure who rather just sit out the, sit out the war if he could. Um, and instead he becomes, he, he's a guy who says, I don't know even, the Zulu's never done nothing to me. Now, why do I want to shoot a Zulu? Uh, and then, of course, he gets his medal and he becomes a hero for, you know, defending the hospital uh, from the Zulus when they break through and being a very effective uh, combat soldier, a combat he had wanted no part of. And there is this, constant effort to not have to have this great variety in i mean how much variety can you have in like a bunch of english actors but you know you have this you have the the singing welsh baritone and all they can talk about is this choir and you have the funny cook oh i can't pour the soup on the fires her 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 yeah. uh this whole there's this always this effort to even in a group as you know monotone white as the heroes in most war movies, you have to have some sort of diversity of character to distinguish them. So you have, you know, Chard, the engineer, man of few words, up-and-comer from, you know, middle class, and Bromhead, the posh, upper-class guy who, with the distinguished pedigree, and you have the funny cook, and you have the drunk uh, malingerer, and you have the tough as nose, always down to business sergeant. If all of these variety of characters, when in fact the it's very likely most people at that outpost would have been under thirty, with the exact same haircut, all just doing their duty and shooting their rifles. 
Um, but you have to distinguish them and give them some personality. And it's easy to distinguish them if they stand out with funny accents. Yeah. Uh, Showing that they're that they're low class. If they're or, beloved character actors. Yes. Um, or you uh, give them uh, some false backstory, like poor Henry Hook. His family was apparently horrified that they would portray their heroic Victoria Cross winning ancestor as a guy who was malingering in the hospital to avoid duty. Um, and I can understand that. That's kind of a slur. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's... but it makes for a better movie, and that's and that's the weird yeah. thing about Zulu. I think Zulu at every turn ends up making some pretty good decisions from just a filmmaking standpoint. I think one of the yes. reasons it comes across like it becomes of a piece with a lot of those uh, '60s uh, anti-heroic movies like The Dirty Dozen. Even though it's really not right, like even though this is very much a traditionalist sort of, uh, you know, the best of the British Empire, uh, you know, put put their put their backs into it, try their hardest, stiff upper lip their way through a difficult situation, and and they emerge victorious. It is one of those movies, but it does a very good job with these uh, little changes of making it seem like it belong. It is of a piece with this move towards like. 60s grittiness and like moral ambiguity and i think it ends up serving the movie pretty well uh certainly the arc of hook hook becomes a great character in that movie and provides like a narrative arc for what might in say black hawk down just turn into an endless grind of nonstop combat scenes Suddenly, it's Hook doing these things, and what does this mean for for his uh, his his soul, his character? And I think that ends up working out for the movie quite a bit. And I, I do wonder the degree to which this is just a product of the filmmaker sort of looking at what is looking at tastes of the 1960s, much the way um oh who was it was it, it was Coppola who wrote Patton right. Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. Much the way they did with Patton, right? How do you make this right-wing military martinet into kind of a bad boy anti-hero? And Coppola's solution is to basically make him such an iconoclast within the military that for the purposes of the movie Patton, he's this rebel and rogue who just everyone is always trying to keep down and get under control. And damn it, he's just too much of a badass to be stopped. And I think that ends up, again, making for a better movie. People, people, like, uh, people like the bad boys. People like the uh, unlikely heroes who sort of redeem themselves when you wouldn't expect them to. And I think Zulu mm-hmm. gratifies that in spades. I think Black Hawk Down never finds a character. No, I mean, I've... Be hard pressed to remember. It's only been a couple of weeks since I've seen it, and I'd be hard pressed to remember any of the characters' names. Yeah. Um, it's t- kind of a shame. Um, I can remember some of the scenes. I can remember, you know, some of the military and tactical concerns, like how do we get the uh, well, the the how do we get the Pakistani rescue people to show up, and it's a, multi- it's a multinational operation. You have to get, you know, some foreigners to help us out because America can't do it on their own, apparently. Right. Uh, which they couldn't. They could not rescue them without 
the support of you know UN forces. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, there is a lot going on. I think in uh, a lot of good filmmaking choices in in Zulu, and I think the fact that it's a, it's a it's a different time. They've got a smaller budget to work with. They don't have to make a whole lot of explosions. Yeah. Uh, the lighting is, I mean, it's pretty much all shot in in, in the daylight. Yeah. Even the night scenes look lot. like it's uh, day for night. Like, it looks yeah. like they're just artificially darkening the, the frame. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's a very bright moon. That's not a moon. It's a studio. Um, and it's, so, it's a lot easier to understand, you know, kind of what's going on and um, you're not jumping from location to location. Everybody's finished in one spot. You're not jumping from one spot of the ambush to another part of the ambush. And wait, wait a minute. Which vehicle is that? Which part of the ambush was that? Was that a different ambush? Wait, let's go back to command. And there's this whole. There's a lot of jumping around that never gets. That's kind of quite confused. You can't establish by just looking at the set and looking at the background where exactly you are on the battlefield. You can understand the command tent, obviously. But you can't understand exactly where in the battlefield budget, but I'll look at it. Whereas you kind of can in Zulu because it's just all in one small compound. Um, you know, but I think the other thing I'll say about Black Hawk Down is I think it is um, it is a movie that is trying to maximize, I think, what have become called like impact, aesthetic, impact aesthetics. Mm-hmm. And which, which again sort of came into vogue with uh, Saving Private Ryan. And I really think there was this trend in war movies from Private Ryan. Uh, and I don't know when this wave really trailed off. Uh, but certainly my interest, my interest in the genre trailed off before the films did. Uh, but, but this idea to try to keep topping each other, right? Try to be more gritty and immersive and terrifying than the last. And I think Black Hawk Down is basically one of those movies. And at the time, this was definitely how I read it. Like I liked this movie a lot Mm -hmm. at the time because to me, it seemed very, uh, well, it was so real, right? Like saving private Ryan has characters and narrative and like pauses in the action to sort of set the stage for some sort of like fanciful set piece battle. Black Hawk down is honest because it's just nonstop combat. And now watching it, it's like one, it's still a very, it's still a very particular depiction of combat and who matters and what happened uh, in that battle. It's not, it, it, it is not a documentary or a docudrama uh, of, the, of the battle. But also, it, it's clear now when, when we're no longer sort of viewing things through this lens of how much like Saving Private Ryan is this movie. It is very clear now to see the degree to which this film ends up being kind of a sensory assault. And makes it really hard to come away with any memory of anything specific that happens. It's, just, you, it's a movie that leaves you with a strong impression of like violence and terror and noise, but not a great many like specific moments. Do you know what I mean? It is a feast or an assault on your senses, depending on how you want to uh, perceive it. I mean, it was, as I understand, it was very well received at the time. Mm-hmm. And I can, and I'm probably sure a lot of our uh, audience are big fans of the movie. It's unavoidable, uh, given our how huge our audience is, uh, that somebody out there is going to be a fan of Black Hawk Down. Uh, but it's a movie that just could not did not speak to me at all. And I, I like 
I like, you know, Last Stand ambush kind of movie, just like I do Last Stand ambush kind of games. Yeah. Uh, kind of for the same reason. I mean, I will I will sit back and I'll watch. I, mean, I will watch really bad Alamo movies. I've seen the really bad Alamo movie. Uh, I saw a little bit of a very recent one that looks maybe too bad for even for me. That the most recent one? Yeah. The one with, uh, oh, it's it's awful. It's fantastically three hours <laughs> awful. Um, it is not something we should probably do a podcast on. Uh, but yeah, Black Hawk Down just did not, I could not respond to it. It was, it may have assaulted my senses, but my emotions were kind of untouched. Yeah. And it's weird. Like I was just looking, I did not know until this moment who all was in this movie. Like that, like I just watched this movie and I have such a poor impression of the, like of the characters who are in it that like, did you know Tom Hardy was in this movie? I did not know Tom Hardy was in this movie. Do you remember Twombly, though? I remember Twombly. I have no memory of Twombly being Tom Hardy. Oh, God. Uh, Yon Griffith is, is, is in this freaking movie. Uh, okay. Jeremy Piven. Nicolaj Jer- Coster-Waldau. Like, I saw all these people in this movie. had no idea any of them were in there because it's just like... It's one character after another, just sort of anonymized behind, like... <laughs> Yeah, goggles holy, and a helmet. Holy crap! This cast. I oh, yeah. Or, 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 Orlando Bloom. Yes, I think he's the guy who falls out of the helicopter. Eric Bana. Yep. Well, no, okay. So see, Eric. God. Okay. Eric Bana. I think this is this yeah. is I think where I kind of view this movie as being maybe more political than it stand, than it intends. Mm-hmm. So the movie ends with I can't remember which character is talking to to. Uh, Eric Bana, I think it might be Grimes, but basically asking like, you know, how can you be going back out there, right? Like the movie ends with Bana is going to go out there and try to rescue those helicopter pilots uh, who were lost. And uh, spoiler, they were rescued by uh, negotiations uh, much later, but <laughs> nobody nobody went and got them. Uh, nevertheless, so b- the movie ends on Bana sort of giving the speech about like. This is what he does this for, this camaraderie, this, this leave no man behind, this sort of code uh, that sort of these elite operators uh, follow. And I think this is what the movie ends up sort of adopting as its moral. Uh, and I think, I think Zulu's kind of smart in that I'm not sure Zulu actually has a moral. I think Zulu is, here is, yeah. here is a yarn and an adventure from the past uh, about a group of men surviving against all odds. And that's as far as that movie will go. Yeah. But Black Hawk Down, it this its moral is basically, you know, her- heroism is awesome, and if and and to a degree, it is also self justifying. It doesn't matter what just happened. What matters is that good men continue to go forward and do their duty, and uh, be there for for their brothers in arms. Okay, so I mean, you've mentioned this, this comes out post nine eleven. Yeah. So this kind of fits in with that a lot of people I've read have been noticing, and I've been noticing the the deification of the troop. Yeah, that the troops are the most important thing in America. That wherever the troops are, whatever they're doing, they're defending your freedom. You can't question the troops, and even if you disagree with the mission, you can't disagree with the troops. And that's kind of I. Not sure I necessarily agree with all of that. Uh, that kind of is where American culture 
was post 9-11 and really has been for the last, you know, almost 20 years with, you know, the uh, ritualized, militarized displays over every sporting event, um, which, you know, even though no one talks about the fact that America is still at war, we still have all of these flyovers and military marching bands for just ordinary run-of-the-mill football and baseball yep. games. I mean, even up in Canada, you know, in the second uh, in the second period of a hockey game, the Leafs will salute to our soldiers. Uh, and Canada's hardly the most militaristic society, but there's this idea that civic society is, in many ways, a military-loving society. So it fits in with the idea that a, a soldier's professional, just doing his job, and his job is to go out there and protect other soldiers. Yeah. And what ends up happening in that framing is that everything else is flattened, right? Like, the context, like, what are you actually doing? What is, what is the point of all this? All of that gets flattened behind this sort of moral that, like, well, look, the soldiers are out there being heroes. And whether or not that heroism is actually accomplishing anything. And that, that is sort of the, the thing at the end of Black Hawk Down, right? Like, well, what did, like, yeah. what did all this signify? Not a great deal in terms of actually bringing relief to uh, the people of Somalia, right? I mean, what, you, right. what, what has happened at this point is a massive shooting war in the heart of their city uh, and a ton of American ordnance being dropped on, on an urban area. Uh, but nevertheless, the movie sort of ends on this sort of uplifting note of, hey, but at least at least those Delta Force commandos are still going out there and still being heroes. And what's fascinating to me is this movie is naive of 9-11. But this is going to become the justification for kind of looking the other way as one intervention after another starts to go sideways, right? Well, how can you question the mis mission? These, these troops are sort of putting it all in on the line for you. And that lets a lot of people off the hook, right? Because then what doesn't get questioned is, yeah, but why the hell does it require this level of heroism to accomplish effectively nothing that's going to resolve or end a war on, on any reasonable timescale? Uh, and so I think this is why like, Black Hawk Down for me ends up being this, it is a 9-11 movie that just didn't know that 9-11 was going to happen. And or I did it. <laughs> Ridley Scott did 9-11. Great. Uh, no, I think what the movie is reflecting is this anxiety that was sort of shot through, that was running through a lot of um, certainly like neocon circles, which was this idea that America had not proven it was tough enough through the 90s in the unipolar mm -hmm. moment, that what America showed was that it would it would retreat in the face of attacks on it. And Mogadishu was kind of one of the, one of the things that after 9-11 people returned to and pointed at as saying, well, this was one of those many things that emboldened Al-Qaeda. Uh, because once again, it showed that if you could kill Americans, if you could attack Americans, uh, America would cut and run. And I don't think the movie like wholeheartedly adopts this, this point of view. But just in sort of bringing it up, you're, you're kind of discuss, you're, you're, you're sort of discussing uh, an example that a lot of people used to illustrate how American power had been squandered or betrayed mm -hmm. uh, by, you know, cl uh, you know, Clintonian uh, 
peaceful anonymity, right? Yeah. I have no idea if I pronounced that right. I have a hard enough time with the, with the noun form of the <laughs> word. I just sort of... You did good. You way did to good. go. That's what it's all about, Troy, pronouncing words correctly. <sighs> We're such big pedants here. But yeah, so I mean, that's kind of the thing that hangs over this movie a lot. Is This is an example that became sort of fraught. Uh, this is a battle that became fraught in how it was interpreted and how it fed into uh, this sort of retro history of how the 90s led to an emboldened and ambitious Al-Qaeda. Uh, and it also ends up anticipating the sort of justifications that would be used to paper over strategic failure on the backs mm-hmm. of personal valor. So in, in, any good war games about, about the Black Hawk Down? You know, I'm thinking about... I can't name one. Um, no. Uh, not, not to my knowledge. Uh, I'm Probably tabletop there's a good one somewhere. It must, uh, be a good, it must be a good scenario somewhere. We should have asked Bruce. Yeah, but I don't think... I, I don't think there have been any, like serious scenarios made on pc uh there's obviously that terrible uh delta force shooter game uh delta force black hawk down uh which much like the movie at the time seemed better better than it had a right to be but if you go back it's it's pretty crude are there any great uh war games or books about rourke's drift or the uh larger zulu war um first you know War games, and it's a very well, it's a very often visited scenario on a lot of things. And there was a bad impressions uh, game made about it in around 1990. Um, but it's a scenario in a lot of HPS simulations and Age of Rifles. Uh, there is a war game company that I'm trying to find the name of uh, that has a cox. They made the uh, digital digital game works has a, a game called the Drift 1879. Um, it is a very simple. Uh, war game uh, with a lot of different scenarios. Uh, it's $25. I have their uh, game about the Revolutionary War battles. It's eh, alright. So, but I am curious about the version of The Drift. Um, there are probably lots of great uh, books about it as well, but if you want uh, the larger Zulu context, I highly, highly recommend The Washing of the Spears. That's a book that I recommend uh, to a lot of my friends. It's about the entirely of Zulu history. It's by uh, Donald Morris. They published it in, even though it was published originally in the mid-60s, um, it's been updated to a second edition in the late 90s. Um, and considering the age of the historian, it is not nearly as wrong and offensive as you might expect it to be. It's actually a very, very good, solid History dealing with uh, issues of primary sources, questions of primary sources, how much do we un- really know about Shaka, how much can we trust about the Mfkane, the great Bantu push of the costs of the disruption of Zulu expansion, and about, you know, the Zulus and their fights against Boer and uh, British expansion until their final uh, absorption into uh, British uh, colonial states. So washing of the spears... Uh, by Donald Morris. It's a book I recommend very highly. All right. Well, that is uh, something definitely worth checking out, especially if it will provide some welcome uh, perspective on the subject, not from the perspective of a bunch of 
uh, British colonial officers in, well, in you know, a holdout. That, but, but that's kind of where the sources are, and that's yeah. the weird thing, right? But there, there's a lot of oral history as well, and also missionary documents, uh, which are quite helpful. All right. Uh, well, that will do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is produced, as always, by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. And please let us know what you thought of this episode. Uh, give it. We are always welcome to suggestions for further reading. Or if we do decide to do another episode like this, because uh, it's, uh, as you can see, uh, Troy and I can talk about this stuff all night. Uh, if you have suggestions for interesting pairings or movies worth examining, we'd love to hear them. Uh, so feel free to drop those, uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter, email, uh, or in the comment thread for this episode, uh, where we're definitely considering doing a few more of these and, uh, we'd be interested in hearing what people are excited to talk about, uh, next. Uh, anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for Troy, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. <laughs>